0: Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier Podcast. As always, each boy back. Joining me today, my friend, my co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. Corey, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing all right. I uh, I think my name has also been in the trade rumors for this podcast. So I have uh, <laughs> I've have, I have been hearing some speculation.
0: Not speculation. Speculation is running rampant right now. No, Nobody could replace you, Corey. <laughs> that
1: means the world, but
0: that's false. <laughs> speculation bro is just run rampant we already know this is a time of season where there's just nothing else to do other than you know go off of rumors that are flying in left and right from uh, from whatever beat writers out there and Cleveland obviously is no different we've heard just constant constant rumors surrounding the likes of Darius Garland Jared Allen Donovan Mitchell it just goes on and on and there's just honestly no end in sight until the 2023-24 season begins but my friend you know why we are here today we are here today because we got a couple of nuggets of information from uh ESPN's Brian Windhorst not too uh not too long ago fairly recently appeared on ESPN Cleveland and dropped one of the biggest quotables of the offseason so far in regards to Cleveland. And it just got the fan base just running rampant with speculation in regards to who he could potentially be referred to. In case you've been living under a rock, um, wherever you're listening to or streaming on, <sighs> Mr. Windhorse was quoted as saying, I have some speculation there's a couple of outlandish stuff that I'm not going to say right now because I'd get in trouble I wish I could tell you more and I know I shouldn't tease you now the quote went on further with that but you know it's really about taking from it what you want I mean everybody has their own impression of what that actually meant Corey when you first saw that appear what was your first thought What what do you think he was alluding to
1: I think he was alluding to the Cavs acquiring some notable wing player, but not at the expense. I didn't, like, The player that came to mind immediately was Jared Allen in some form of trade, mm-hmm. but that's the only roadmap I think the Cavaliers would allow unless they would really love to go for that Tobias Harris or Evan Mobley and Jared Allen trade that, that shit was
0: uh, ridiculous. Philly
1: wanted to throw around there. But no, I kind of I I didn't go to the lengths that some people did where they I saw PG's name floating around. I didn't think that Paul George was remotely feasible, <laughs> which I guess would fit into what Windhorse said, where he thought there was no chance the trades that were being floated around were going to happen regardless. So,
0: hence but, the word the term outlandish. <laughs>
1: yeah, I I felt like it was they were more in like the OG and an OB type space than the Paul George type space. But that also – it's like you, you you don't want to dig too deep on that Windhorse quote because he, he prefaced it in the beginning and the end by saying, like, don't take it for what it's not pretty much <laughs> –
0: I mean, there's. It wasn't even just PG though. We heard a lot of names be thrown out there. When we really dissect this, he was clearly, clearly talking about, uh, you know, a, a, a player who is not being looked upon favorably right now. And so, I hate to bring this up, but I have to ask your opinion on it because there's a ton of speculation in regards to that about a potential acquisition of Miles. Bridges, who recently suited up for the Charlotte Hornets, he sat out the 2022-23 season. I was
1: going to say recently is uh, yeah. an interesting. Season.
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean, how it's whatever you want, whatever term you want to throw. On. That was his most recent team. Um, he sat out the entire season 2022-23, because of the domestic violence issues, um, and he's still yet to really serve a true suspension, in my opinion. But he'll have to serve for whatever team that acquires him next. But Cleveland has been linked two bridges simply off the speculation from windhorst and a fairly recent photo that Darius garland and bridges were seen together uh attending a Drury game if I am not mistaken when you saw that appear what was the first thought that popped up into your mind did you do you think there's any any traction there with with bridges for uh first off and two how would you feel about acquiring it
1: I don't think the fit makes sense, really, in two regards. One, I feel like he's not the type of personality the Cavs are, would bring into the team. I think he has a lot of baggage with him. And, I mean, a version of it, I guess, was Rondo. When Rondo came in, people immediately were like, yeah, this is kind of like a weird vibe fit. And the Cavs obviously felt the same way as they didn't really try to make any efforts to bring him back. You could also argue that was because he was the Ricky Rubio, uh, and Ricky Rubio came back. So there was no need, but in general, I feel like this Cavs organization likes to focus on certain types of personalities. And from the, that sense, I don't think miles bridges would make sense, but also on the court as well. I mean, yes, he had his best season right before the, um, the domestic violence case came up against him. And, but when you kind of like dig deeper into those numbers, he doesn't really solve, I believe what Cleveland needs from that wing position. They need someone who's going to spread the floor and he bridges is just like a 33% shooter from the three point line. So like you could argue, he brings to the table what Isaac does In some regard, in that sense, he really is better at driving to the basket. He's more athletic. He's a slasher. And the main argument that most Cavs fans had coming out of that series against the Knicks was that we were just too clogged in the paint and the two bigs were just kind of getting in each other's way because neither of them can really spread the floor. So adding Bridges, who's just going to also compound that problem of, mostly thriving by getting to the basket. It's going to be hard for him to do that when Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are also kind of hovering in that area as well. So unless Evan Mobley becomes the reincarnation of Larry Bird this offseason, that will really wouldn't help that problem whatsoever. I see a lot of better options on the wing as a, like, I get the premise by low on Miles Bridges because I don't know uh, how his stock could possibly be any lower in a non-career, like in a non-basketball sense, I don't see how his career could be any lower. So at the same, I I just – I don't see it overall, and I don't necessarily believe that's what Windhorse was referring to. I think it was also just because Darius and him apparently had the same agency, so you know they kind of like put those events together where they just have their guys from the same group go out for being like to other agents, like look how tight <laughs> I don't
0: know. He said he said, "Look, man." He said, "Look at social media because he didn't want to tell us outright." He said, "Check social media for the clues, basically." and Uh, You know, I hate to be Charlie from It's Always Sunny, but that's that's what it appeared to be. I don't know. I don't think Cleveland is going to acquire him. But I just like for me, for myself, personal preference, the off the court stuff, it's impossible to not address like for me nah, I don't want to associate this franchise with with that and by all means he could be a changed person. I don't know, but that that's a lot to come back from obviously and I just don't personally think he would be worth the negative media coverage that he could potentially bring our way. And this is not like a um you know this is, this has nothing to do with basketball. It's a football thing, but um you know just from a media circus standpoint, I remember how many teams straight away from being uh from signing a guy like tim tebow because they just did not want the media circus that was involved with with tebow and he it wasn't even anything that he did i mean he was a great guy you know great football character and we're not talking about a criminal here we're just simply talking about a man who (laughs) nice dude (laughs) yes a man who brought media coverage wherever he went uh with him and it that you got Bridges who's on a complete opposite end of the spectrum. There are very real reasons why the media would be covering him in such a negative light with all of that that's hanging over his head. Um, I just – I don't like the idea from a off-the-court standpoint of adding Bridges. And I get people will say, well, you know, he made a mistake and you know, people can change and Cleveland could use a player like that. Yeah, you can use your arguments all you want to like. Uh, uh, uh all you'd like on that but for me it's a, it's a no and then on the court as you point to i'm not really sure he actually fits what we actually need like career 34.6 shooter from uh three-point range and it's not like it's an excessive volume it's 4.3 attempts and in his career season he shot 33.1 from range so I don't know. Like, Corey, would you consider Bridges to be a – do you think defenses would have to actually respect his ability to shoot? Because I don't.
1: I think if
0: those same people who
1: think that Okoro doesn't draw the same uh, gravity defense, defense-wise, defense unless Bridges has spent his entire year and a half away from basketball pretty much just practicing three-point shots – I don't see how defenses are going to react any differently to the wings that the Cavs currently have now, where they would really just hope that they'll be willing to let a player like Bridges just sit in the corner and possibly take threes. Not that Bridges is that type of player. He's probably, he's much more active off-ball than some of the players that we have now on the wing, but it's just not a good schematic fit in my opinion. I, I get like the name value that draws people in because – if you ask someone randomly on the street about Miles, and like not talking again about the off the court stuff, but if you ask like a, an average basketball fan who Miles Bridges is versus
0: who Isaac Okoro is,
1: they're going to more likely know who Miles Bridges is.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's no disrespect to Isaac either. Uh, but yeah, I'm just on the court, it's a no for me off the court it's a no for me nonetheless this is a name for us unfortunately to keep an eye on you never know he is restricted right now charlotte could very well opt to keep him uh or match whatever offer that that comes his way but i don't know it's yet to be seen honestly Corey, i think brian was was referring to him but i have no idea there's really no way of knowing um there are other names out there that he could have been addressing, but for me, that's the one that really stuck out. But we know Bridges is not the only one who kind of made headlines today, and it was through no fault of his own either. Darius Garland, <laughs> that's a name that we have heard today a few different times that with trade speculation. First, I believe we had uh, Sam Amico of Hoopswire suggest that the Cavs would potentially be open uh, open to moving him. Do you buy that?
1: No. (laughs) and I don't think I've really seen (laughs) any reports that Amico's reports have been fairly accurate either. I feel like every time I see an Amico bomb, if you want to call it that, it's just people immediately dismissing it. And questioning the credibility of his alleged rumors. So – and it was um, almost like immediately. Like you could tell it was that outlandish because Cav's PR just like squashed it. Everyone came out of the woodworks.
0: Fedor – immediately bumped the brakes. Fedor like came out right away and basically just – just shit on that idea. He said – So did Windhorse. (laughs) Yeah, so Windhorse, you know, we we talk about that. the quote that he gave in the previous ESPN Cleveland uh, appearance. He had to come back on and kind of walk his his wording back because he didn't want to, you know, cause a frenzy in Cleveland. Uh, But you don't buy that at all. You don't think they're listening on offers for DG.
1: No, I feel like the most that could possibly be true is a team calling – the Cavs and kind of floating like or like Cleveland calling about a certain player to an opposing team and saying what would it take to get player X and then the other team says oh it would probably have to be some combination of Darius and some other package and then Cleveland goes oh okay and then hangs up
0: like it's literally (laughs)
1: Darius is floated in possible trades that teams Uh obviously want to acquire then immediately they can turn around to their guy and be like, you know, Darius was in that trade talk. That was, that was kind of crazy. Not saying that we're the ones who suggested it, but, like, it's in it.
0: Yeah, it's literally like the real-life equivalent of going on 2K and going to, like, Trade Finder <laughs> and going on somebody else's team and seeing what it would cost to acquire him. Um, that's that's literally what I find it to be. Do you you're um when you're, When we're looking at these types of rumors that are being put out there, who do you think is leaking these?
1: I don't think it's really – the Cavs hold everything so close to the vest, and they don't really kind of show their cards ever. We almost never have a breadcrumb trail of where things are going. So I feel like it's more outside um, people, not necessarily insiders for the Cavs, but I feel like it's other teams leaking, like, conversations that they've had for the Cavs yeah uh-huh. I don't I, I just don't see the Cavs kind of the, the Cavs don't get any benefit by the, the news that has at least been spilling out. That's how you can kind of tell also. Because there none of it is painting Cleveland in a better light for potential free agents or trade partners. It's like it's always from the opposing team's perspective. Like take the Jared Allen rumor with New Orleans that came out like two days ago. It it was it was phrased in a way that implied that. New Orleans called trying to get Jared Allen in a swap for like Jonas, pretty much. It wasn't Cavs called hoping to swap Jonas <laughs> for Jared.
0: Um, I mean, I would have to agree. I think that Cleveland, like you said, they play, with, they play things very close to the best. I don't think they want to really break up this core for this season, at least. I think this is – it's one of those things where you kind of want to write it out, get some pieces like we've been saying, see what they can look like with with expanded depth, you know, real depth behind the starters. Get, your, get yourself a viable third big. Get a wing who can shoot the ball on a consistent basis and then see where the chips fall. But, I mean – these rumors man, they just not going to stop. For you, like I know we talked about this a little bit last time out, but is there a trade package right now that kind of sticks out to you for Jared Allen that you would be willing to to listen to?
1: It would just have to be for a, like a starting caliber wing. I'm not saying he has to be like a 3 and D type wing or anything. I think that's the only like feasible trade package I can envision. I don't have names off the top of my head, but I also I might disagree with you. I feel like as time is going on, I feel like these na- like there's enough calls kind of floating around right now that I mm-hmm. feel like the Cavs are kind of flirting with the idea of at least they're keeping their options open. Like it's not like they've listed those four as untouchables pretty much and don't want them moved whatsoever. I think there's J- Jarrett is definitely the one that if someone was going to go, it's probably him. Uh, so I feel like if the right trade came around, Kobe Altman's not the kind of guy who's sentimental where he's going to hold players around just because, you know, the team loves him and the players love him. But, yeah, it's, I, I I feel like his time is going on. I don't know if it's just because it's off season. you know, you just hear enough, you're like, you're kind of getting removed from the season, and this isn't like a anti-Jared thing because of the postseason. I'm not really accounting for that. I'm not saying I want Jared to go. I just, <laughs> I feel like there's enough tea leaves kind of falling around that, just heavily imply that maybe the core four isn't as solid as I thought heading out of the postseason.
0: I think that's a fair statement. Um, you know, for me, I don't necessarily consider Jared Allen to be untouchable. But I've yet to see a deal out there that's been floated out, at least rumored, that I'm comfortable with. Obviously, I'm not Kobe Altman. I don't know what Kobe Altman is comfortable with. I don't know what the Cavs would want back in return. I would, I would assume that it would be a starting caliber three, uh, like we're kind of. Bo- I think we both kind of agree there. Um, but I don't think they're they were approaching this offseason thinking that hey, we have got to move this guy. Um, but. At the same time, I think they're they're definitely open to the right offer. I think that's that's the way to it. it should be viewed at this point, but that's just me.
1: You know, the thing about Jarrett that's interesting is that he's at his lowest value right now. So, like, you would make it's good to make the argument that getting rid of Jarrett now is kind of like selling fifty cents on the dollar, pretty much. But at the same time, like with the deals that have been made within the past few weeks, we're seeing like it's kind of like a buy low market right now where you can get notable names for prices that never match what's kind of being floated around. I mean, take the John Collins trade, for example, with Atlanta and Utah. Yeah, We've heard for like two seasons almost how John Collins was on the block and how it would take like at least a first rounder and a young player or two first rounders that are like mid twenties or whatever. And then we find out that the two years worth of John Collins equated to Rudy Gay's corpse and a second round
0: pick. Mighty so, disrespectful, Corey. <laughs> it
1: turns it, it's just been Bradley Beal too. I mean, it's like pretty much second rounders and Landry Shamit and Chris Paul who got turned into another asset. But like, you wouldn't expect if you like ask blindly, what are these players worth? That's what it would be. And I think that new CBA is kind of unlocking things that we didn't foresee. And the Cavs are going to have to keep that in mind too, because it seems like this is like truly petrifying teams in terms of their salary cap. The The Hawks literally just wanted to clear space so they could extend the player. They put all their chips in for last year with uh, DeJounte Murray and they still are apparently are going to be making moves, so which is fine because you know they're not going to equate to anything anyway because they have the human pew in Trey Young.
0: Oh my god! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and overall, though, I, I think it's the the trade landscape is so strange right now because teams are kind of feeling it out. That Jared, I feel like the trades that Jared Allen could bring in are more interesting than I think we expect.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't like the new CBA, you know, you bring a good point up. It's just like this, what the fuck were the players doing in this negotiation? Like, I just kind of feel like, uh, they lost out on this. CBA. I, obviously it was agreeable to both sides, but I, I really want to know, I would really like to know what input they had during this, during these discussions, because it kind of just seems like teams are petrified. Like you said, uh you know looking ahead into the future the Cavs have a limited window here with the with the current core that they have jared allen for all we know could very well still remain in cleveland cavalier during the 2023-24 season uh due to his value right now being pretty low but if he is moved i wouldn't be surprised i i would like to think that kobe has kind of earned trust here you know despite what happened to the trade deadline and whatever decision he ends up making in regards to Jared, I. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna back him on it just because I feel like he has deserved that. You know, he, he's earned that much. But it really remains to be seen. Um, and we're kind of in the just the dry point of the off season, right before free agency begins, where all these rumors are just going to continue to tear this fan base at the seams. <laughs> like it's it's getting a little ridiculous. Um, outside of rumors, obviously, because we know that we're going to keep hearing stuff about Jared. At the very least, uh, we might not. The, the, I, I want to think the the Donovan Mitchell stuff is probably going to die down. Darius Garland that was squashed before it even started, but Jared is probably going to keep being included in these rumors until next season starts.
1: But I want Ricky Rubio trade rumors so we can get off that contract. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: you know, you bring to mind a, a good a, a good thought here, and that is uh, Jetty Osman. I think the Cavs have until tomorrow to back out of that the guaranteed portion of his deal. Do you think Jetty Osmond will be on this roster?
1: Uh and yeah, I-, I think so. In some like I feel like he'll be on it and that doesn't necessarily mean he'll be suiting up for the Cavs in the opening night. Pretty I feel like his name and his contract are the most valuable asset to move for someone else's deal that they also kind of don't want. Mm-hmm. I, like he kind of is the way to punch your w- ticket to the uh, Royce O'Neill sweepstakes. If you really wanted to make that swap, allow Brooklyn to alleviate some of their, uh, their albatross of wings, if you will, doesn't seem like Royce O'Neill kind of like fits into that anymore. I mean, they have three top notch wings. They don't really need to cultivate Royce O'Neal in order to uh, make their dreams of being the sixth seed uh, a reality again. Um, But, yeah, no, Jetty allows the Cavs to have some wiggle room. And at the end of the day, like, we've seen it. We know exactly what we're going to get from him. So he could still be valuable to this team, even if they're not going to necessarily move him.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're still talking about a guy who shot over 37% from three-point range this past season. However inconsistent he can be, he's still a guy who can, at the very least, you know what Jetty brings to the table. Um, I think we've seen him peak, obviously, but I think for the money that he is going to be making this season, if kept, I think it's still worth uh, worth holding on to him, and that's my thought process. I know a lot of people want his ass gone, And, and I get it. Trust me, I get it. But you have to look at the landscape here. Cavs, if they resign Karis Levert, you know, full mid-level exception, biannual exception, and then veteran minimum contracts. That's it. And that brings to mind the next topic here. Karis Levert. I think Fedor dropped a a piece earlier today, or it was either earlier today or yesterday, when he referenced what the Cavs plan on offering Levert, and it was in the neighborhood of fifteen to eighteen million. Are you comfortable with that number?
1: Oh, very. <laughs> I think that's a much more reasonable deal than some people were expecting. I think Glover would also be willing to take a version of a pay cut as opposed to what the market is going to be to remain with his team. From all I've read and heard, it seems like he definitely enjoys being in Cleveland. I think he liked how his role kind of came out, like how he kind of grew into his role as the season went along. And you, if you're Cleveland, you want that deal immediately because he was probably your second best player in that Knicks series, even though it wasn't a series that went well, but overall you, you really, I think Karis LeVert brings a lot. I think to the outside eye, he's still pretty undervalued in terms of how versatile he can be. I mean, I think everyone kind of just still thinks of him as this ball hogging, like the ball stops with me pretty much won't keep swinging it type of offensive player, but I think he's shown flashes of being a very valuable six man for this Cavs team going into next season as well, regardless of who they bring in.
0: Bro, I mean, you and TuneIn Sports One, you know, right on the money here. Bring Levert back. He wants to be here. He's expressed that numerous times. I think that 15 to 18 million in that range is very reasonable for both sides because I think it's rumored right now that he could make up to 100, 101 million with the Cavs. If I'm not mistaken, they're obviously not going to give him that much. And they would be have they they would be dumb. I'll just say it. they would be dumb to give Karis LeVert that much money. But 15 to 18 mil, that's perfect for both sides, in my opinion. And I want to say that LeVert made about I think it was 18.8 mil this season. Cavs didn't obviously give him that money. That was the contract that he signed with Brooklyn. If he gets at if he gets no more than 18, I'm good with that. And I think this is a man who took a lot of shit last year from a lot of Cavs fans, just really NBA media in particular. Um, he took a lot of shit, and he ended up have he started the year pretty inconsistently. The mid range game failed him, uh, but what we saw from him, you know, throughout the duration of the season is him his role consistently shifting, him having to wear dif- a lot of different hats, and then him fully kind of rounding out towards the end of the season he was one of the few cavaliers to actually show up against the knicks um not a perfect player obviously flawed not a true three um although he can line up there but he gives you a lot he can he's pretty versatile i think we just saw the best defensive season from him in his career too which kind of speaks volumes to what jb and company can get out of their players um they were obviously able to get him to buy in on that and so he gives you great value for uh, for what he provides on the court. And 15 to i mil, I'm, I would be very excited with. Especially considering the fact that if you don't pay the man, you pretty much risk losing him for nothing. Um, unless he's included in a signing trade.
1: Yeah, the only threat to the Cavs losing Laverne, I think, at this point, is if like a team such as Houston... Or of that ilk who's going to have an abundance of money and might strike out on the players that they're really crossing their fingers to get would just be like, oh, we have to spend this money somehow. Oh, Karis Levert's on the market. Okay. We'll just offer him like a cool 22 to 23 million a year just because we have the space and we kind of need to spend it, especially under the new CBA where you have to have a certain amount of your uh, cap accounted for or else you face sanctions, which are super cool. I think all the teams really <laughs> want that. So, yeah, they it's more of a. It, it, I think Houston is such a wild card in this free agency period because I think everyone under the sun is linked to them solely because they have money. But I think these, like, it it will truly come down to what types of players they can bring in. Because if they're going to bring the players in who are the vets that are hoping to at least, like, compete for another year, because Houston's not going to offer them that versus the, I just want to get my bag and go home.
0: I mean, realistically, do you think – outside of Houston, do you think there's another team out there that will be willing to go above 18 mil to get LaVert?
1: I don't think I can think of one off the top of my head. I mean Sacramento maybe could – would want maybe want more bench firepower if necessary, and that could maybe entice LaVert because he could get the money and still compete on a different team, but – Outside of that, I mean San Antonio, maybe uh, Orlando, maybe even though they have a shit ton of guards now, <laughs> <laughs> so probably not Orlando. But yeah, some. I feel like this is going to be an interesting free agency period. It's a ton of teams have money, but the talent doesn't reflect how much money is out there. There's like certain players that are like, yes, definitely. But there's definitely going to be contracts where people are going to kind of take a step back and be like, huh okay that wasn't what i was expecting at all
0: i mean you're dead on i mean cleveland honestly we're not a cap space team um cleveland is heavily incentivized to re-sign caris Levert because they have his bird rights and if they don't re-sign him they don't have the resources to sign a player of his caliber frankly and they don't have the ability to patch yet another hole when we already got holes like we 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 know we need a, a wing who can shoot, preferably a three. We know we need a viable third big. We know we might, we might want to look at getting an additional backup point guard just in case Ricky doesn't pan out. But, you know, adding yet another hole to patch just does not sound ideal to me. So I'm hoping that they get him under a reasonable deal, something that works for both sides. He seems like a very cool dude, has echoed numerous times that he wants to return, so... I have no problem with it. Um, that's just me. Uh, the other token to that is once they do get him resigned or use him in a sign and trade, you got to look at the free agent market, see what's available. Um, we know that there's a couple more players who have, who have backed out of their player options, if I'm not mistaken. Um, headlined by most recently, Javon Carter of the Milwaukee Bucks and Torrey Prince. <laughs> Old friend Torrey Prince. Do either of those names sound appealing to you?
1: Uh, Torian Prince intrigues me for one reason and one reason alone. Uh, The dude's like a 43% corner three-point shooter. And I, I don't know about you, would really appreciate to have someone who's trustworthy (laughs) in those corners. Because there's a lot of reasons why defenders would get sucked into the paint when they face this Cavalier team. And it would be, we've seen Torian play well in a worse version of a Cavaliers roster. And to have him pretty much come back, and pro- I don't know if he would necessarily be the starter, though. Uh, no, I don't think so. He's just, he's a little, uh, I don't want to be rude to the man, but those legs probably don't work the same way they used to.
0: He's 29, Corey. He's 29.
1: I know. What I'm I older. I'm
0: older than Torrey and Prince.
1: Uh, <laughs> yes, but he has NBA Miles. But <laughs> that is true. And you have Rec <laughs> League Miles. <laughs> Somehow I think an 82 game schedule runs a little differently in those shoes.
0: <laughs> you're right. You're right.
1: No. Yeah. Uh, but he definitely fits a need for this Cavs team. I don't think we would have, we would definitely wouldn't have to go the MLE on him. It could easily be like, if, if we strike him, out probably. on our full, our, our full MLE candidates and we have to decide to split it up. I could see him being a partial use of that as well. he, Hopefully he liked his time in Cleveland and isn't a little upset on how the tenure ended getting
0: traded for Ricky Rubio. So, I mean, it's, I don't, I mean, it happens. People get traded all the time. It's not like he had a terrible exit. Like he said, fuck y'all. And you know I don't want to play for y'all no more. At least, at least from what I've seen, he just got moved for Rubio, which was a better deal at the time or a better player, a player that we actually needed a little bit more. Uh but no, I mean I for me, I'd love to see him return. Um, I think you could probably get him with the biennial exception. Um, uh, with him actually I don't think he opted out of, of the of the option. I think the team did.
1: Yeah, and it just it the uh, the report came out at the time of the podcast that he had no idea about it until Woe tweeted about it. So uh he Woj probably be consistently shitting on people. <laughs> What was just breaking news before the people who are involved in it even find out?
0: That's that's crazy to me. I would be pissed off if that was the way I found out that I lost my job or that I was not returning to a specific team. So, seven point four million dollars—that was the money uh, that he would have been guaranteed. I obviously, I'm not giving him that much from Cleveland. Um, that's not something. But you that will I'm, out of your
1: pocket, is what you're saying.
0: Yeah, I got $7.4 million to, to, to. Yeah, I think go around. this
1: podcast keeps the lights on.
0: <laughs> I mean, look, we're, we're big budget here. We got a studio, yep. all that. the work. Thanks, Spotify. Exactly. <laughs> big money. Um, no, obviously, I don't think the Cleveland Cavaliers would want to give him that much money, but I think you could certainly get him in the building for around the biennial exception.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think he is a good candidate for if the wing market kind of gets dried up almost instantly on day one then you would not be i wouldn't be too upset if i our off season turned into some combination of like royce o'neill and tory and prince as our our wing additions that wouldn't be it wouldn't necessarily like move the needle all the way to let's get it super pumped about our wing lineup, but it's definitely, you could take a step back and be like, yeah, this is definitely an improvement from last season. I mean, the bar is so low (laughs) that it can only go up.
0: Yeah. I got one more name for you before we move on to the next topic. Cam Reddish. I guess the trailblazers are not expected to extend the qualifying offer him uh, offer to him, which would make him an unrestricted free agent. I believe how would you feel about the Cavs adding cam reddish
1: cam reddish is the player that everyone likes the idea of cam reddish more than they like cam reddish. It seems like wherever <laughs> cam reddish goes that everyone has like every team's like, Oh, he has hidden potential. We'll just unlock it. And then weirdly enough, when they acquire cam reddish, they barely play him. So something tells me that they get in there. You're like you're, you know what? Maybe what we saw on tape is actually like what, what you get. And There's not much to unlock. I, I've never been in love with Cam Reddish as a player. I think he just was very uh, fortunate to be in the Zion, RJ Barrett atmosphere of Duke. And he has physical tools for sure. He definitely has what people... I remember his his comps were like a version of Paul George, which offensively, he's definitely not there. And defensively, he's also definitely not there. (laughs) And I just don't think the Cavs can be taking these types of projects, especially now that uh, they just drafted a project in the second round. So I think they should be using their development resources elsewhere than kind of investing their time in the Cam Reddish restoration project.
0: I understand you. I think for me, it would just entirely depend upon the cost. Like if you can sign him to like a one-year prove-it kind of veteran minimum deal, I would be happy with that just to get him in the building because, I mean – we're talking about probably an uh, end-of-the-bench type of player if, if he's signed to that. I don't know if somebody would outbid us in that regard. I'm sure that he'll probably want to make more than the veteran minimum, obviously. But I would not be opposed to it. I mean, from a statistical standpoint, Cam Reddish has been terrible. I mean, <laughs> 39.9% from the field, 32.2% from three-point range. Just not great. But just not great. Uh, for me, I would just like to see them bring him in the building for a vet minimum, but I don't know. That's just me.
1: That is just you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it would be me and Steven, <laughs> if you're not familiar. Me and me and Steven. Steven thinks this guy is on, like, he puts him on the highest pedestal, but I would be worth I think it would be worth inquiring about if he truly is available. But as you pointed out, they did kind of take a, a, a project player in the NBA draft. And that player is none other than Amani Bates. And he has kind of garnered a lot of attention himself. He's been in the rumor mill and for, for various reasons, uh, whether it be Gilbert Arenas thinking that he's going to eventually start over Isaac Okoro and company or, you know, people (laughs) thinking that he's the next coming of KD. (laughs) Uh, But Amani Bates is certainly an interesting prospect, one that I think that if developed correctly could be a very, very good player in this league. But right now he just ain't there. So Corey, you know, we put out content on Amani Bates prior to the draft because i We all knew that he was linked to the Cavaliers heading in. But when you finally saw the name Imani Bates scroll across the screen during the draft, what was the thought? Uh,
1: I understood the swing that the Cavs took, I think, in the second round in general. I think anything past the lottery, you're hoping for a rotation player. And Imani Bates at his – I think – I I know people say his basement – is pretty much that he's going to be out of the league within like a year or two because he'll just stay in the G League and they'll never kind of see his NBA aspirations come to fruition. But I think offensively he definitely could be there. I think his shot profile is um, pretty versatile. I think he can be a three-level scorer. He's definitely willing to be a three-level scorer. It doesn't necessarily. <laughs> His volume is definitely there. Um, I think it's interesting – when a player goes from a top collegiate program and decides to go down, but I wouldn't say he necessarily dominated at Eastern Michigan either. So that's kind of concerning. I I definitely, I, I, I'm not in the, I think the Cavs fan base, there's no one who's really kind of cool in the middle. It seems like you're completely in and think he has the potential to be the starting small forward for the Cavs going forward, or you think he's just not going to be in the league at all. I feel like I'm kind of weirdly in the middle, though. I'm in I the think middle, too. I feel like I can see the roadmap for him being like a Jordan Clarkson small forward type. His defensively, I just don't see his body building out. I think he's very slim. His ligaments are paper thin. The dude does have a KD body type, but he's not KD. I don't think he has a strong. I don't think there's much weightlifting that can be done for Imani Bates to not be a turnstile defensively. As And JB can't stand players who don't defend. And that is the most interesting thing. If Imani Bates gets on the floor for the Cavs, period, it's a good sign that they're seeing something about his defensive ability improving and his buy-in because that, I think, is the biggest thing that could prevent him from seeing the floor for the Cavs, as long as JB is at the helm.
0: I mean, when I look at Imani Bates, I see a very raw player that has, one at least at this point in time, he has at least one NBA-ready skill, and that is the ability to catch and shoot. Um, very good catch and shoot uh, from three-point range this past season. I believe he had knocked down 39% of his attempts from range in that category. Now, for me, obviously, the defensive concerns are legit. Like You look at the highlight reel for him defensively, and it is flat-out atrocious. Um, some of that is because of his frame. Some of that is because of lack of attentiveness, and some of it is just a lack of burst, man. he's not He's not a highly athletic kid, but a lot of defenses buy it right if you get the guy in the building you get him under an nba level coaching staff especially one that just was the top rated defense in the league certainly should be able to make a serviceable defender out of him in my opinion but the frame concerns like i think you put it out kd right very slight frame but the difference between those two is that Bates, while well, six nine my guy only has a six seven and a half wingspan so he's got like this weird frame. He's not exactly Katie esque, but he is. They're both slight builds. Like they, they they they're both really skinny guys, especially entering the league. Um, he's got to fill out, obviously, um, on the offensive side of town. He's never met a shot that he is not comfortable taking. Um, he took some of the most difficult shots in in the NCAA this past season, but he made them. Uh, he made a lot of them. He is a tough shot maker, and I gotta respect that. Like if you got the gusto to take and pull away when you got like three defenders in front of you and you still make it, that's a quality skill. Um he is a shot creator. He's not a playmaker. Um he, his decision making is quite questionable in my opinion. Um he's got some work to do in that regard. But this there is the makings of a very solid NBA player there. Like where I'm like at, and this is why I think I'm in the middle of myself, like, I think he can be a serviceable to very good NBA player. But for the people out there that are saying start this kid right away or for the people that are saying place him in the rotation right away, I just don't see it, Corey. Like I think he needs seasoning with the charge before we even get to the point of talking about him besting Jetty or Isaac or Karis or anybody like that. Um, Where are you at on that? Like if, if you had to really just kind of give your answer right now, do you think this kid could, could be in the rotation from day one?
1: No, i think he definitely needs to have time to adjust to like going from eastern michigan to going to the nba is the most it's as big of a jump as some uh, someone can kind of make and the level of competition is about to be staggering i think that he definitely needs to get accustomed to nba offense and nba style defense and the charge will at least allow him to kind of see the types of bodies he's gonna have to get accustomed to facing um I I don't see the logic in which like he would have to wow the Cavs at camp on his two way in order for them to even consider him sitting on the bench opening night pretty much. Um, Bates definitely has like I can like you don't be the number one player in high school and then just like you're number one for a reason. There's definitely some things that flash and it it should be in people's minds that there's a reason why the Memphis thing didn't work out. And there's a reason why he didn't go to another top level school. And that Eastern Michigan was his next stop. There's obviously flaws that got exposed when he started facing other talent of his ilk that could just go past him. And when he has to share the floor with other players who are as talented as he is. And he did look decent in summer league, but again, again, He went forty nine for a reason, and not. I think Jokic, being the player he is now, people are like, see, second round picks can all kind of like have the potential of being this. You're kind (laughs) of getting going on like the second round highs, but if the Cavs get a player that can contribute in some sense off the bench down the road, it doesn't have to be in the first year in order for it to be a success. Then this is a win, and there's definitely a roadmap that he can follow. It's not like a pipe dream, I feel like. It's it's feasible, and that is what you hope to get from a second-round pick.
0: That thank you. I mean, if I could post to Michael Scott uh, <laughs> me right now saying thank you, I would definitely do that because he, he went 49th, man. Like, that's the, the, the level of expectations between a first-round pick and a second-round pick are drastically different. People I've, like, seen so much stuff flying around, like, start – Amani Bates to begin the season. No, you're setting the kid up for failure if you do that. He has real flaws. Let him develop. Give him some time. And maybe he can be a rotation caliber player at some point towards the end of the season or next year. I am not going to sit here and say that it is impossible for him to be a rotation caliber player during the start of 23 uh 2023-24 i'm not going to say that because anything is possible but based off the tape based what we saw at eastern michigan he's not ready yet so i'm just i don't get it i know people we we all want this kid to succeed but i feel like the most realistic approach for him is going to be down with the charge spending a lot of time down with the charge developing down there And learning the, the, you know, honing some of the skills that he already has, and trying to build on the flaws that he does right now. So I think if you're looking at Amani Bates as a as a serviceable rotation player right now, I think you're probably going to be a little bit let down. Um, But he was not the only player that they walked away from, uh, walked away with on draft night. And not necessarily this was not necessarily a selection, but it was a pretty good pickup in my opinion and that was craig porter jr who was signed as an undrafted free agent to a two-way deal if i'm not mistaken um six foot two plays on both ends of the floor i loved it i think he led his uh i think he led his school in both block steals rebounds at six two as well um very 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 interesting pickup from them and this is Kind of the Colby Altman special here, where he just kind of swings by at the end of the draft and and picks up some guys you wouldn't expect. The same way he got Lamar, same way he got Dean, um, and now he's got Craig Porter Jr. Um, I don't know how well versed you are in Porter's game, but did you like that pickup?
1: I uh, did. I read some stuff about him. There's a really good article on Basketball News about him. What well, you kind of learned from that article? is that the guy definitely is a grinder. He fits into, like, the Lamar Stevens ilk. I could see the two of them just absolutely hitting it off right off the bat. I think he's definitely worth a swing for this Cavaliers team. I don't see a way in which he doesn't at least see the floor for the Cavs within, like, the next two years at some point.
0: Well, then let me ask you this. Do you think Porter sees the floor before Bates does?
1: I think – Porter's less of a project than Bates is. I think Porter's more NBA ready. I I've se- I went back after seeing the selection and looked at some mocks, and I see him like being floated as like a borderline like late second rounder. Some people liked him more than others. He's the, the issue with Porter is that he's just six two. So like, we- you really just have to like hold your own defensively if you want to stick around. There was definitely players that, can- that have done that recently. And I think Porter has uh, an NBA style offensive game, and I think he definitely holds his own for sure. He's not, he can score at all three levels, but I wouldn't expect, I think as he grows into the NBA style of offense, he's probably gonna have to refine certain aspects of it and probably tone it from three to just finding his like niche. He'll be like a role level player that has specific qualities
0: down the road I I honestly believe that Porter sees the floor before Bates I think he and I think some of that is due to what the Cavs need like if you just look at what the Cavs have on the roster in terms of Ricky Rubio all the guards they have and you could certainly make an argument that yeah there's too many guards for uh, for Porter to to get out there but I think that if they do not like what they see for with Rubio in the first quarter of the season and Porter is progressing well you know after hopefully a good summer league showing and some time down with the charge. I would not discount the idea of Porter being pulled up early. Um, And I think he is a little bit more NBA ready, especially on the defensive end. He has an NBA level all around game. He shot 36.3% from three point range, although the volume wasn't exactly high. Um, I think that you could certainly put him out there. We know that he moves the ball. He is a, he is way more of a playmaker, way more of a facilitator than Amani is right now. So that definitely helps in that regard too. Um, Two very good pickups. And I, anybody who was expecting Kobe to probably move up into the first round, they were going to be disappointed anyway. I think they got the guy they wanted to, they wanted all along in Bates, and he has the potential to be a steal. But when we look back at draft night, I think we're probably going to be looking at Porter as a, as the first guy up, um, that's just me. Um, I'm very excited for summer league, Corey.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a fun lineup.
0: We're gonna get what Travers, we're getting Porter, we're getting Bates. Um, yeah, yeah, a couple other names that'll be down there. And I know we're supposed to take summer league with a try, you know, a-, a-, a gargantuan grain of salt, but. I just cannot help but be excited about what we're about to what we're about to see. And as Tune In One Sports down here, you know they signed Pete Nance to that Exhibit Ten contract. That's also a big time addition. Um, I don't know how much he'll be able to contribute or if he will actually, you know, get any time to actually prove what he can do. But I love the you know keeping the family ties, the Nance family ties in town intact. And we have seen examples of that Exhibit Ten contract being a really good thing. Uh, I think Taylor Horton Tucker was on one of those deals, was he not? Mm -hmm. Austin Reeves? I I don't know. I think there's been a couple of guys who have turned into pretty decent role players who have come off the Exhibit 10. Pete Nance could be no different. Um, So I'm loving these additions. Um, Kobe may not have swung for the fences with a big-time trade this time around, and there is still time for that, but I, I liked what he did on draft night.
1: Yeah, he's definitely a guy who likes to work between the margins and
0: at least with,
1: I think the most likely contributors are just going to be Bates and Porter Jr. But I really like that, those two projects. I think there's a roadmap for both of them. I don't necessarily see it for Pete Nance, and that's no offense to him.
0: (laughs) You Uh, know, family ties. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Still a decent pickup Um, gives you the exhibit 10 gives you the ability to convert into a two way um, if you want to. So if they like what they see from him in summer league, hell, you never know. He could be on the roster. Um, That said, I mean, you look at some of these other things that the Cavs are going to have to evaluate heading into the season, whether it be the rotation itself, um, some of the veteran minimums that they might have to hand out to fill out the, you know, 13 through 15 spots. There's just a lot that they're going to have to figure out. But this is an exciting time, nonetheless, for this team. Um, You know, no matter how things end up playing out this offseason, I'm very excited, Corey. Um, That being said, like we always tell you guys If you'd like to reach out to us, you can At itscavalier underscore pod On Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more If you'd like to be added to the exclusive Itscavalier Discord chat, you know what to do Leave a rating, leave a review Send a screenshot of said review To itscavalier53 at gmail.com And we'll send you an invite Corey, you have any closing thoughts?
1: Who's ready for Summer League?
0: (laughs) I think we all are Oh, man Cavs basketball cannot return fast enough, man.
1: Unless uh, Darius isn't a part of it, then I'm also out.
0: Yeah, we all out at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Go Cavs!